Okay, uh, you will probably want to have a Bible handy, and if not, we might have the verses pop up on the screen at the right time, so the sound desk will have to be listening. Super. Okay, so we are in Mark 8. Now, it's my joy to be speaking this morning. I really enjoy doing this, but it's supposed to be Ali DeMay, but she's not been very well this week. Pantomime over there, lovely. (laughs) So, Ali, we hope that you feel better. Um, She's not been very well, but we've been praying for her, and she's going to come and join in with the prayers. Um, So this, I I was thinking, should I dress up as Ali? Should I wear an island shirt or wear some dungarees or sort of aimlessly walk over here, you know? But um, I just just thought I would be me. So... I'm going to, that'll come back to haunt me, won't it? So, let's have a look at Mark chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 34. Now, two things are happening today. We're going to be thinking about Palm Sunday, which is the video that we saw earlier, the triumphant entry, and we're going to be thinking about this passage in regards to Jesus and how he is walking the way of sacrifice. So, we are literally going to fly from Galilee to Jerusalem and back again. Okay, so try and keep up, and I'll try and read fast. So, Jesus knows exactly what is going on. That is the whole uh, conundrum of the Bible. We know that Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus chose the way of sacrifice. Jesus chose the cross. So if we look at verse 34, we've got this idea that Jesus has called the crowd to him, probably in and around that Galilee region he's teaching. Whoever wants to be a disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, the expectation of the kingdom of God was something quite powerful, something quite exciting. The kingdom of God was going to come and defeat anyone that oppressed them. So for Jesus to be then saying, anyone who wants to follow me could end up on a cross, A cross was a dirty word. It would be something that wouldn't be talked about. In Roman culture, and especially in the Jewish culture, the cross was a dirty word. I don't know whether you have any naughty words in your house. I'm obviously too holy. But you know when you've said a naughty word, because everyone looks around at you. Have you ever said any naughty words? No, good. And so the cross would have been a bit like that. Somebody dropping the F-bomb or something similar. Those who follow Jesus must choose the way of sacrifice. They must choose the way of the cross. But that also is choosing love. Potentially a different kingdom to what people were expecting. So as Jesus talks, let's have a think about that Palm Sunday. As he's walking into Jerusalem, people start to cheer. They start to claim that he is somebody special. They start to shout Old Testament things towards him. He was going to be the son of David, the promised one, the Messiah. Hosanna, the joyful noise to the Lord. That was all happening on Palm Sunday. But less than a week later, he has a death at the hands of the Romans and the Jewish council, he hangs on that cross of shame. And yet he chose to walk that way. He chose to leave Galilee and go to Jerusalem. He chose to walk into Jerusalem. He chose to turn the tables over. He chose to allow Judas to betray him. He chose all of these things 
We'll have a look at some more choices that he made in a minute. But Jesus chose all this so that you and I could live in fullness. The walk in the way of sacrifice is exactly what Jesus did. So verse 35 says, Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. If we embrace the good news that he makes a way for us, then we're able to live in relationship with him, which means we get to enter and begin to see life in all its fullness, but also we get to be with him in heaven when we die. Right now, we get a glimpse of what's going on. We can see miracles in these days, but we can't see it in full. Also, we can't pop to heaven. I'm sure some of you are going on holiday over the next few weeks. You can literally go somewhere, can't you? We can't pop to heaven and pop back again. The only way we can go to heaven is through Jesus. And so for us as Christians, part of the life of sacrifice is to choose Jesus. You cannot bring yourself into life in all its fullness. You could go around the world and meet different people and say, how have you tried to find life in all its fullness? Nobody will have found it because it only comes through Jesus. And that's part of the gospel, that it's a free gift, that we are all invited to life in all its fullness. We're glimpsing it now and we will be with him in heaven. Verse 36 says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Have you ever met someone, and perhaps it's been you, I I feel like I've been like this at times, where you've attempted to fill your life with something and it's not worked. You feel completely deflated. Hopefully you've never sold your soul. But there's a sense of emptiness. However, if we secure our soul with Jesus, we can live this different life. Jesus is trying to encourage those around him to give their lives to God. Verse 37 is one of these lines that sort of just harpoons everything. It says this, What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I read this and I can't help but think towards Monday, Thursday, where Jesus and Judas are going to look at each other and Judas is going to betray Jesus. Sorry if I'm spoiling the story, but come back on Thursday, we'll tell it properly. Jesus is going to be betrayed by one of his friends. His friend is going to choose money. His friend is going to choose probably not the way of the cross, probably the way of power, in order. But he loses his soul as he does it. You see, the same people that are on our path down to Jerusalem are going to cheer for Jesus to be crucified by Friday. And yet Jesus knows, and yet Jesus chooses, and he is walking this path of sacrifice 38 says this, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I tell you what, it's not a very happy, clappy verse, is it? It wouldn't wouldn't really bounce very well on YouTube if that's what the statement of Christianity was all about. And yet, it should echo through the ages. It should be a warning shot throughout the, way, the ages. But it's also an invitation because Jesus is inviting us to not be ashamed of him. He is inviting us into his Father's glory. He is cheering us on as we live this life. Jesus knows that as he walks past those people cheering him on, they're going to cheer him to his death. 
cheering on Sunday, ashamed by Friday. But every day of your life, Jesus is cheering you on. Chapter 9, verse 1 says this, And he said, Truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. This jaw-dropping moment of the end of the, cha- uh, the start of this chapter. Jesus knows. Uh, for me, I think there's two things that could happen. We don't know exactly what Jesus is saying in this moment, but I, I'd like to take an informed guess at these two ideas. One is, perhaps Jesus is saying, you're about to see the kingdom of God in its full power as I go to the cross, which you will deny, and I will be raised fully so that you can live fully. Maybe that's the glimpse of the kingdom in fullness that he's talking about. Or perhaps it's Jesus saying, once I've died, once I've been fully resurrected, once I've ascended to my Father, I'm going to be sending the Holy Spirit so that you guys get to see the amazing things of the kingdom of God in your lifetime, minister to people in the power of the Spirit. So that's sort of the package of the passage where we can relate to what Jesus is predicting is going to happen. Then as we saw that beautiful video, isn't it fun, uh, from Saddleback Church, as we saw the triumphant entry, we can see it. It looks fun. Everybody loves a fun day out. Would you like me to tell you about one of my fun days out? Yes, good, because I've planned to. Um, I don't like talking about myself, uh, but I will just for the illustration. In uh, studying. Too much laughter. Uh, In January 2019, I had the opportunity to run the London Marathon. Now, one thing you need to know about the marathon is anyone who's ever done it will tell you constantly that they've done it. So just for the benefit of the rest of coffee time, put your hand up if you've done a marathon. There you go. You don't need to tell us all over coffee all the time. Okay, put your hands down. So I spent 16 weeks getting ready from January to the April And I thought, I'm going to take it really seriously. So I ran 764 miles in preparation for the London Marathon in four months. Dedication is what you need, according to record breakers. So I went for it. That's a dated reference, by the way. You'll have to ask your parents. Okay, so 102 hours worth of training, which is how many days? A lot. A lot, a lot. Four and a quarter days. Within the first four months of the year, I'd ran for four and a quarter days solid. But I, didn't, I did it over the time, but for the illustration. I got my body ready for the task. And my heart and my lungs were ready to pump oxygen and blood in a way that they've never had to before for that constant duration. My head was in a place where I was focused and able to run without fading. Now, the thing about the London Marathon that is absolutely amazing, like, no, I just, I've just brought a vest along. Just, uh, just, uh, I'll put it there. One of the things about the London Marathon is there's people all the way along, and this is the closest I can get to, uh, you're wondering why I'm telling you, this is the closest I can get to a Palm Sunday experience. As I'm running along, because you've got your name, I recommend that, by the way, put your name on your top, everybody's cheering your name. So you're running along... I ran a bit better than this, but for illustration purposes. And they're like, go on, Matt. I'm like, yeah, you're doing it. I'm doing it. It's constant all the way around. I, if I, I high-fived every single child. I reckon I probably would have been about 20 minutes quicker had I not just stopped to high-five everyone. 
I didn't even wash my hands before I had the food. Sorry, afterwards. Oh. <laughs> All the way around, people are cheering you on. There's banners, there's music. There's, it's just a festival atmosphere. Eventually, you turn the corner into past Buckingham Palace. You turn the corner and you can see the finish line. And as you're running towards it, people are cheering your name. You can see the big clock. There's that moment that you've watched as a child, perhaps, on the telly I had of people finishing the London Marathon. I'd completed it. All the hard work had paid off. I loved every single second of it. And as I walked up to this wonderful lady, she put a medal around my neck. And she said, you've done it. And I was like, yes, yes, we did it, we did it. She's like, I haven't done it, I'm just standing there. I was like, all right, I've done it, I've done it. And she's like, you've done it. And then she gave me a T-shirt. And then she gave me a coat. And she said, you have completed it. I bet you're proud. I was like, yeah, I'm very proud, actually. (laughs) Thanks for it. I'm going to tell people for years. (laughs) But the thing about my marathon experience was everything I expected to happen happened in the way it did. So I knew that I would train, that I would run, and then I would feel amazing for a few days, and then my legs would fall apart. I got that. (laughs) The adrenaline runs off, and you're like, oh, these are broken. But actually, I don't think I could have done it if, as I went round, people were yelling nasty things at me, or people were forcing me to wear different things that weren't what I originally had intended. I wouldn't have wanted a negative experience. The reason I did the marathon was that personal challenge, but the buzz I got from it was unrivaled to anything. And yet when I think about Jesus walking into Jerusalem or riding on the colt, as we hear in the scripture, it wouldn't have been a fun experience because he was riding towards his death. How does that work? I'm running along enjoying myself. He's riding, watching the very people shout his name who will shout, crucify me, crucify him. It's a stark contrast to what is going on. Jesus would have known all the way along that those people were going to turn on him. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we think in our life, oh, I'd love to do that. That's lots of fun. I really enjoy talking to all you guys about Jesus every Sunday. But I I think I would struggle if you all turned on me. If you're all a little bit more hostile or a little bit more asleep. I'd find it hard. If every time I spoke about something, you then tore it apart and started throwing things at me and heckling me and saying how wrong I was and deluded I was, I'd find that really hard. If we had to do it in secret, I'd find that really hard. The way of the cross is sacrifice. Right now it feels really easy. But the way of the cross is sacrifice. As Keith translates the Bible, as it goes around the world, there's people who haven't got the freedoms that we have. But Jesus walked into Jerusalem for their freedom and for your freedom and for my freedom. Jesus knew that he was the leader that they were calling for. But they didn't realize in what way he would do it. In Hebrews 12, it says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. You know, my endurance race was nothing in comparison, but the encouragement as I went round helped to not grow weary. How as a church can we not grow weary? Well, it's to turn to Jesus and ask him for his help. For us, we need to choose the way of the cross, not necessarily that we're going to die on a cross, but we need to choose to accept Jesus' death on the cross for us. We need to choose to follow him so that we can be with him fully in heaven, but also glimpse his glory now. So I think the point this morning, as we walk together, the way of sacrifice is to understand fully that Jesus chose this path. To understand this week that as we focus on Jesus, we've got to focus on the uncomfortableness of the cross, the dirty word in society at the time. He was made to look horrendous. They hurled abuse at him, they spat at him, they dressed him in stupid clothes to mock him. They gave him a crown of thorns. Jesus knew all that was happening and yet he did it. I don't think there's many of us that could even do half or a part or even a fraction of what's going on there. Jesus walks into the temple courts to preach in Jerusalem. He he walks in to turn the tables over, knowing all these things are going to make it just much worse. He could have escaped from the Garden of Gethsemane. He could have uh, spoken up at the trials. He could have avoided at all costs the cross. But he chose to die. He chose to set all those things in motion. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves his world. He knew that he was the only way, the one way, the perfect sacrifice to bring us home to God. So I guess my question for all of us this week as we walk the way of Jesus, as we realize that Jesus paid it all, as our wonderful Easter flyers say, do we know Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, would you like to? we need to ask him to help us with our endurance do we perhaps need to refocus and that big question of are we going to be there on friday or are we just happy clappy sunday people are we willing to watch our savior die in order that we can live an easter sunday or do we get off early and just have palm sunday here comes the one oh he wasn't any good we need to be with Jesus on the risen Je- uh, sorry we need to be with Jesus on Easter Sunday but we also need to experience good friday too so as a church our hope is that we will enable each other we, as a community to remember it's all about Jesus he will walk the walk that we couldn't so that we can follow and then we too can live a life of sacrifice. But our sacrifice is to put others first. Our sacrifice is to put God's, God first. So that's our prayer this Easter. And the joy of the good news and the joy of the gospel is when we meet Jesus face to face, he doesn't give us a tacky medal that will end up in a cupboard unless you're doing a talk at church. He gives us something far more worth He gives us life in all its fullness. He says, you are welcome to my father's house. In the Bible, it says he's gone there to prepare a room for each one of us. 
So this Easter, our prayer is that you remember Jesus. He's already chosen you, and he wants you to choose him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for each of us in this space and those joining us online today that we will get a real deep sense of your love. We thank you that you made all those key decisions. You chose to do all those things. And Lord, we boldly ask, will you choose to love us too? Will you choose to do amazing things through us as a church and as Christians? so that we too can glimpse the Father's glory. And Holy Spirit, we pray that throughout the rest of this, our time together, that you'll be ministering to us, that you'll be speaking to us. We thank you for the joy that it is to worship you. Amen.